1: Kia ora and welcome to the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I am your host, Jordan. I am mum to two beautiful little boys, Jai and Ali. I also host the Your Birth Project online hypnobirthing course and the Mini Kiwis First Aid course for parents of under five year olds. And I have an online store attached to your birth project which encompasses everything pregnancy, birth and postpartum related. So just absolutely love that side of the business. I'm also a very, very passionate storyteller and a lover of all things birth. So hence why I am leading you on this podcast. I'm not an advocate for any particular type of birth or model of birth care. I am simply here to hold space for this platform for you to share your beautiful stories with us all. You'll hear stories of joy, of heartbreak, of love, of loss, and each family has a different experience to share. I'm trying to bring to light stories that we often only tell in the darkest of places or to our closest of friends, but really are so important for everybody to hear. So I hope that you love the podcast of these beautiful families all over Aotearoa, and I will let you jump into the podcast now. Enjoy. In today's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales, I speak with Ella, and Ella takes us through her pregnancy and birth story with her daughter Tui, who is just over 10 months old. Ella talks through their pregnancy experience, uh, choosing a midwife that was outside of their zone in Auckland and what that looked like a late stage pregnancy gestational diabetes diagnosis and then an induction. So she talks us through her induction, her labor and her birth story. And then we discuss a bit about postpartum, what that looked like in level four lockdown for her in hospital and also in the birth center and also not having family um, able to meet Tui and how that sort of impacted the way that she was feeling emotionally. So I really love this episode. I know that you're going to love it too. I will let Ella do a really good job of explaining it to you all, so I hope you enjoy. Hey, Ella, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi, Jordan. Thanks so
0: much for having me. Um, I've listened to so many of the podcasts, so I'm <laughs> stoked to be able to contribute um, my
1: story to future
0: listeners. Yeah, awesome. I'm
1: excited too. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about you and who is in your family?
0: Sure. Um, so my name's Ella. My husband is Brendan. Um, we're both originally from the Bay of Islands, but we've lived in Auckland for quite a few years now. Um, I'm still on parental leave, but I work in HR and um, our first baby was born in August last year during a level four lockdown. Um, her name is Tui and she's now 10 months old. Cool,
1: awesome. And what was the journey like to pregnancy for you guys? Yeah,
0: it was pretty straightforward. Um we were one of the, the lucky ones, I guess you could say. Um we had been married for about a year and my I had a marina IUD and, and that was due to come out because that had been in for about five years. Uh, so that was due to come out in October um, and we decided that I just wouldn't get another one put back in. So um, that got taken out and then sort of I got my cycle, my period sort of came back in November because um, I hadn't had periods sort of the whole time I'd been on the marina. Um, and then by December, I was pregnant. So it was a very straightforward um, process for us. So we were very fortunate. Yeah.
1: yeah. Awesome. Very cool. And how did you feel when you find, found out that you were pregnant? Did you have symptoms that made you take a test or, yeah, what was that like?
0: Yeah, so we were actually in Wellington for Christmas with our extended family. And um, I actually didn't think about this at the time, but in hindsight, in mean, hindsight, it's a wonderful thing, but we'd eaten, I'd eaten like a full Christmas lunch on Christmas Day. Um, and then about half an hour, I was just craving buttered bread, so yeah. I got up and smashed like two or three pieces of buttered bread, and didn't <laughs> I just thought it was you know the Christmas gorge that you tend to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you know the next couple of days was feeling a little bit nauseous, and and Brendan said, you know, you have sort of been eating a lot, and you've been feeling a bit sick, so um, so maybe you should maybe you should do a test. So um, so that's when we thought, yeah, we we better better do one, um, and we were actually doing a Cantervan trip around the Wairarapa at the time. And um, we had come into Martinborough and we were stopping at the four Square there to get some supplies for our trip. Um, So we also bought a pregnancy test. So um, we grabbed that and I popped into the public toilets in Martinborough to do the test. And so Brendan was waiting outside with milk and (laughs) apples and beer and all the stuff that we had. Um, And I came out of the bathroom and sort of was just like, it was positive. It was like wait what it was positive like we just were so not <laughs> expecting it because it was such um, it had yeah we just weren't expecting it to happen so quickly um yeah. so yeah we were completely and utterly in shock so the sort of two-hour drive out to castle point where we were, where we were heading. Um, it was basically just the silence as both of us were processing <laughs> the fact that, uh, that I was pregnant and that we were going to be having a baby. Um, yeah, so it was yeah. it was pretty crazy. And then the next day we were actually meeting friends in Martinborough to go to a vineyard for lunch. And so we were like, oh, no, how are we going to
1: manage this?
0: Because <laughs> yeah. we wanted to, you know, let our family and everyone know first. In um, yeah. one of the few more, uh, more days for it to sink in for us as well. So um, that that was an interesting one, trying to keep it
1: from there <laughs> too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Cool. And how were you feeling in your first trimester? Did you have many pregnancy symptoms from there?
0: Um, yeah, so I had a bit of, um, bit of nausea, but nothing nothing too bad,
1: really. Um, I think I got off pretty lightly in the whole scheme of things. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And did you go with a midwife for your care?
0: Yes. Yeah, it was sort of a no-brainer for us. Um, I have huge faith in the midwifery system in New Zealand. We're very really lucky, so... Yeah. Um so that was sort of what we did in January was um was ring around and, and try and find one. And actually we live in South Auckland, um and I felt really strongly about wanting to birth either at birth care in Parnell or at Auckland Hospital, which is which we're out of zone for. We would um, naturally go to, or we're in zone for Middlemore Hospital. So I had to find a midwife that would be prepared to take me on even though I was out of zone. So we were lucky that it was actually the first midwife we did get in touch with, and she was happy for that to happen. Uh, We had to consider, obviously, the additional travel time when the time came, to get to that hospital and she also said that she wouldn't be doing like, hospital care that she'd have a local um, South Brooklyn midwife.
1: Awesome cool and what was the rest of your pregnancy experience like from there did you do all of the sort of standard testing that's offered in New Zealand and did you want to find out the sex of your baby?
0: Yeah so pregnancy was again really straightforward and um, I had like Braxton Hicks from probably like 24 25 weeks onwards um and then the good old reflux in the last <laughs> trimester that was pretty awful yeah um and then one that I wasn't that familiar with was really bad like nasal congestion like not like a snotty nose but just really really stuffy hard uh, to breathe through your nose yeah which I reckon then probably aggravated my reflux because when I you know I had to sleep with like my mouth open mm. the, glam- the glamour of pregnancy oh, no. yeah. um, and um yeah so so no it was I mean pretty mild symptoms I would say um so i was fairly lucky yeah. um and we did yes did all the standard standard testing uh we did the nipty tests not actually to find out the gender we we hadn't planned on doing it but um at our 12 week scan the sonographer really struggled to get good images mm-hmm. for the chromosomal um results yeah. and after sort of a, a second scan the following week um, she still wasn't happy with it so at that point, we were just like, oh, for peace of mind, we'll just do the NIPTI tests. Mm. So we, we paid for that, and that was that was fine. Although one thing um, our midwife said, oh, just tick the gender box, and she said, if you change your mind, then at least, you know, you've paid all this money, you may as well have the option to find out if you change your mind further downstream. So she said the results come to me, so I'll know the gender, and we, we didn't want to find out the gender um and so we took that box sort of on advice from her which was all well and good but then for the rest of my pregnancy I, at every appointment with her I was really paranoid that she was going to accidentally let the gender slip. Uh, yeah so if you don't want to find out the gender and um, you're doing the nip test I'm <laughs> leaving that bit blank You don't have the paranoia that I had <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: yeah awesome cool and did you do any um like antenatal classes or birth education in the lead up to your birth
0: yeah, so we did um the your birth, birth project course, which was um which was great. That was really um great because of specifically because of the flexibility that it enabled. Um, so we were able to just sit down sort of a couple of nights a week and, and sort of chip away at it. Um, we also did an antenatal class and uh, we opted to do a sort of single day one. So it was eight hours um, across one day, which was awesome for the content. It was, as you can imagine, jam packed full of content. Um, but I think because we opted for the single day one, we missed out a little bit on the socialisation aspect. We didn't have sort of the return weekly regular um sort of catch ups with the couples so we haven't um we haven't really sort of got a coffee group out of it which is a bit of a shame but um that was just one of the compromises i guess adopting with that sort of format um but the content itself was, was awesome um also i just did heaps of reading um a lot of sort of instagram pages they're really really educational i find um listen to heaps of these podcasts which actually i reckon from a um understanding the variability that comes with labor and and pregnancy and birth um I probably got the most out of from the podcast because there's you know so many different stories um you're sort of really prepared or I felt really prepared for most eventualities yeah so yeah we felt really well prepared um, for our labor and birth Yeah,
1: yeah awesome cool and did you have much of a plan in terms of how you wanted your birth to go or yeah thoughts on what you wanted your labor and birth to be like
0: we had planned to go to birth care in Parnell, which the primary birthing unit, um, and I guess like most couples, our plan was just to sort of see how we progressed, see yeah. how things went and just escalate sort of pain relief as things went along. Um, we were really aware of all sort of scenarios and we were really open to transferring mm-hmm. um, to transfer hospital if we needed, either for complications or just for pain relief um, yeah. as well. So that was kind of the, the plan. Um, it didn't go to
1: plan. though went to the hospital um, which I'll talk to. This day, I think. Yeah yeah awesome. Cool and just before we jump into that I know you mentioned in your email um, that you are an HR manager and you sort of struggled with that um, sort of leaving work behind I guess for lack of a better word when you're having a baby. So when did you go on parental leave and yeah how did you sort of uh, approach that
0: yeah, so um, I have always been quite a career-driven person and, you know, worked quite hard to sort of gotten to where I've gotten to and um, it was quite a shift, a mental shift mm-hmm. for me to step away from work and step back from sort of the corporate life. Um, while I was really ready and really excited to be pregnant and have a baby and for that next chapter, it was a really um, big shift for me to to, to let go effectively. And I battled with this really um, strange feeling, which I'm sure many people can understand, of when you've got someone coming into your role for a 12-month period, um, or however long you choose to be on parental leave, and sort of hoping that they do really, really well because you want them to succeed and you want to come back to a really functioning team and a functioning business um for whatever aspects you're involved in but you also kind of don't want them to do too well either and make you look bad and then you've got to sort of step back in um and you've got all these new expectations of people around you and all that sort of thing so it was a really interesting time I found um the person coming into my role was a colleague of mine as well and and actually a really good personal friend as well so there was sort of that added dynamic which Mm. which was really great from a business continuity perspective but big shift for me to just to let go um and kind of come away from that so I finished up work at about 37 weeks I think I was um and we'd sort of talked about that I would take my laptop home with me and I'd be available if you know she needed a hand with anything or if I you know needed to dig out any old files or anything like that and and she did um I don't know if it was for her or for me more than anything, mm-hmm. but she did sort of get in touch with me occasionally, give me a call and sort of pick my brains on a couple of things, mm-hmm. which was really nice because I still felt quite connected. But then yeah. I, I did get to a point where I was like, right, I need to switch off now. Trust that the business is fine. I mean, the business absolutely, of course, it's fine. Yeah. Um, they will carry on no matter what. Um, but for me, it was, su- so it was such a huge part of my identity. Um, I yeah had to make a really conscious effort to, to let go yeah. and move into this next phase
1: of my life. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely um, relate to <laughs> the way that you feel about a lot of that, for sure. Um, and were you planning at the time to take a year off or what did that look like for you when you went on parental leave?
0: Yeah, so we had planned for me to take the year off. Um, we were really fortunate to be able to do that. Um, so I'm due back in September this year and actually just in the last couple of weeks, um I've actually just accepted a, a different role so I'm moving back into an HR business partner role with uh-huh. a different division within the business yeah. um, and this was a, again a really sort of I guess, I guess an extension to the thinking of when I came on mat leave but um, I really really loved my time on mat leave with my daughter and my role previously um, was really I loved it but it was very high pressure very stressful high expectations um, not a lot of downtime you know I found myself working the evenings and on the weekends a lot and um, when sort of Brendan and I thought about what we want our next few years to look like with kids that was not what we pictured yeah. and I really wanted to Protect. I really want to protect my my personal time, so I want my evenings and my weekends to be mine and to be um, ours to spend with our with our daughter and any future babies that we have as well. Yeah. So um, so it was a really conscious effort to to take on a role that didn't require any sort of national travel, mm-hmm. um, doesn't have a team of people that report into the role um something that's yeah a little bit more individual yeah. still I'll get off you know I'm hoping I'll still get and I'm confident I'll still get the, sort of the satisfaction mm. and, and the challenge that I that I get from from working yeah. um but also have a little bit more work-life balance so yeah. that was yeah. yeah that it was yeah it was the right decision to make um yeah. and sort of I guess now we're faced with a slightly different challenge and i will be going back to work but different team different business new mm. sort of stakeholders um, but I know that it's the right decision for us, and I'm really excited about that. Yeah,
1: cool, awesome, very cool. And I guess if we flip back to the um, <laughs> back to the sort of birth focus. So, were you doing anything in preparation for your labour and birth? Like, did you do any antenatal expressing or any of the other list of things that you can do to prepare?
0: Yeah, so we did we did antenatal expressing from I think 37 weeks. Um, and oh my god, that was wild, eh? Like, we, I, <laughs> I had, I remember having a shower and then I was like, you know what, I'll just give it a go, like, not really expecting much because I thought, you know, I've heard stories, people have had huge success and others haven't kind of got anything. So I had a shower, sort of jumped out, um, and just started sort of massaging one of my boobs. And then all of a sudden, this colostrum started coming out and I was so, I was so shocked. And it's, you know, you can see why they call it liquid gold because it is like, <laughs> color and yeah. like almost that inconsistency as well it was crazy yeah. um so I was like upstairs and then I just started yelling for Brendan I was like Brendan what's happening like it's can't like I'm you know it's working and um so he came sort of charging up the stairs with like a syringe and this stuff to sort of catch it um it was j- just I don't know what I expected but I was so surprised and shocked that it was actually working so that was really cool um so we just started sort of doing that routinely over the next couple of weeks and managed to collect I think about 10 or 12 mils And um, we had in the freezer to take into hospital with us um, which we ended up using so we were really stoked with that result
1: yeah yeah awesome cool and do you want to talk us through your labor did it start spontaneously how far along were you and yeah what sort of happened from there
0: Yeah. So, um, so it wasn't spontaneous and actually I had a late diagnosis of gestational diabetes. So this came about, um, just at a routine midwife appointment, I think at about 38 weeks, um, on the little pee stick that you do, pee on the stick test, the glucose levels flagged. Um, and my midwife was like, Oh, that's a bit strange. um, you know have you eaten anything super sugary in the last sort of 12 hours or so and I was kind of thinking no I don't think so um she looked back on a growth scan that I'd had a few weeks earlier and we had kind of had it really clipped at that point of time but she said oh actually there has been a bit of an accelerated growth in the baby um from your um, growth scan before that so um she said oh maybe maybe we just need to get you know get a blood test done and just sort of rule it out um Serena got a blood test done she also at the same time just I guess to be thorough, prescribed the um, finger prick kit. So um, so sent me home with to, to test my own levels as well. Um, so when the blood test result came back, it did show that my um, glucose levels were high and the finger prick testing that I was doing sort of four or five times a day um, were consistently high as well. And I think the ones that they're most concerned about are are your fasting ones, which are the ones when you first wake up in the morning and your body obviously hasn't processed the sugar in your system as, as well as it could. So, um, so we were doing that and yeah, it was consistently high. So she said, oh, we probably need to, she said, it does look like gestational diabetes. I'll refer you to the diabetic team at the hospital just to be sure. Um, and sure enough, they came back and said, yep, that's, um, It definitely is. And it was a really, it was mixed emotions, I think, finding that out because you feel like you've done something wrong. And, you know, I felt, have I not eaten well? Have I not, you know, maintained a healthy diet or whatever? Have I put my baby at risk? And, you know, and she, she of course, my mom and wife was like, no, you know, absolutely not. She gets people, you know, 45 kilo dancers um, that are, that are, you know, diagnosed. And then you get people that are really, really at high risk um, and, and tick all the boxes in terms of those risks that don't get it at all. So she was like, it's absolutely um, a range of people that get it. And um, there's nothing you can do to control it, so that sort of makes you put, put puts your ease, I guess, a little bit. But you still have this sort of deep seated guilt, I think, um, and a bit of almost embarrassment I felt, which was a bit of a shame. But um, but it is it is what it is, and um, I know that there's nothing I could do to prevent it. Um, so anyway, we got that diagnosis, and um, at this point, I was about thirty eight and a half weeks, maybe. Um, close to 39 weeks and she said look we could prescribe insulin we could get you to alter your diet but she said you're so close to your due date um, the diabetic team just recommended induction Um, so I'll get back to you sort of later today with what that looks like so I remember it so clearly Brendan and I were out for a walk um, or a a waddle I guess at that (laughs) that gestation and um, out for a walk and then the midwife calls and she says right we've got you booked in for 8am tomorrow morning Um, So we were like, okay, this is all happening. So it was very exciting. We kind of raced home and were able to um, pack our bags. Um, At this point, we were in level four lockdown, so we weren't sure what the hospital protocols looked like. Um, Our midwife had said that Brendan would be allowed in um, as far as she was aware, but weren't sure if he would be allowed to leave. So she was basically, basically said to us, overpack, pack enough food for him for a few days, pack enough know overpack for the baby because you can't just pop out to you know head home if you need to do anything make sure your house is all sorted if you've got pets um that they're looked after because yeah everything's just a little bit more strict so in in that in that instance it was the induction was actually really great because it gave us the ability to plan um around yeah what that hospital process looked like for us in a time of real uncertainty um so yeah, we got all packed and ready to go. And then um, the next morning we headed into a hospital, um, arrived there for our eight o'clock induction time. And um, I didn't really have a choice. I think they weren't doing the balloon um, induction method because obviously that involves sending you home, which they weren't doing. Yeah. Um, so I had the prostaglandin method, which mm-hmm. is gel that they put up on your um, cervix which is it was it was a really uncomfortable procedure if I'm being honest um it wasn't pleasant at all so they had the first I had the first round of that sort of as soon as we got there and then they were the hospital team were like cool um you know hang out in this room and we'll come and check on you in a few (laughs) hours and so we're like okay you know twiddling our thumbs and fortunately we'd you know downloaded a whole lot of movies and stuff on ipad and we kind of just hung out. It was actually a really nice time. Um, Auckland Hospital was, was, is beautiful because, it, you know, it looks out over the harbour and it was a nice day. It was, you know, a um, nice sort of winter's day end of August. So it was, yeah, really lovely, lovely time. Um, so nothing really happened, a few niggles here and there, but nothing sort of substantial. Um, so midwife came back in, um, I think, six hours later. You're allowed one lot of gel every six hours um, and did another round of gel. Um, at which point I think I was three centimetres dilated. So a little, little bit of movement, but nothing um, nothing too exciting. So a um, second so round of gel and then same thing, off she went and said, cool, well, you know, come back in a few hours and check on you again. And um, so back to our little routine of sort of just hanging out. And things kind of ramped up a little bit. I started to feel a little bit more comfortable. So I started to bounce on the Swiss ball and kind of walk up and down the corridor. And um, Brendan was giving me little massages and, and that sort of thing um I was actually feeling a little bit cold I wish I'd taken more warm stuff mm. or like a nice cozy cuddly blanket into hospital um so because of that I wanted to have a shower so I went and jumped in the shower um and I couldn't actually get the water hot enough for my liking I like really hot showers so that was a bit disappointing so I kind of got out felt um, a little bit defeated and sort mm. of trudged back to my room being like that didn't work um, was still cold Um, so I ended up going and having a bath instead so in the women's assessment unit um, they actually have a birthing pool that um, I guess is not designed to birth in because it's an assessment unit not the delivery suite Um, but that's available that they will fill up for you happily if you do want some early pain relief or just um, something to do I guess so I went and hung out in the bath for an hour or so which was which was really nice and then midwife came in and checked me and it hadn't been too much progress. I think I was about four centimeters at this point. Um, she gave me a stretching sweep and um, she said, the baby's right there. She's like, I can see, I can see the baby's head. Um, you know, you'll have a baby by morning. And we're like, oh gosh, okay. Hmm. This, that means things are going to um, ramp up really quick. Cause it was maybe like seven, eight o'clock at night by hmm. this point. I'm like baby by morning, like cool. Okay. And that was, that was great. Cause it gave us a bit of motivation and got us a bit excited again. And um and everything, and then off, off she went. Um, but then nothing happened, and and we were kind of going, what are we? Are we just waiting? Are we, and she said, oh, we, we're waiting for space to become available in the delivery suite. As soon as a room opens up, we'll transfer you over and break the waters, and that'll really get things moving. So we were, um, so we were kind of desperately waiting for a room to free up so we could kind of keep. Keep things going, um, and then of course it was probably the busiest night in the delivery <laughs> suite in Auckland, um, because nothing became available. So we ended up being in the assessment unit all night, um, and unfortunately that meant that we didn't really get any sleep, and we didn't mm. really make much of an effort to get sleep either, because we kind of were under the impression that things were going to ramp up, because you know she said the baby was right there, just hanging out, and you know things are going to progress pretty quickly. Um, so we yeah didn't really make much of an to get sleep, which was a bit of a um bit of a rookie move because come sort of go time the next day we were just exhausted because we'd mm, yeah. the whole night um so um anyway morning came around we did not have a baby at this point the yeah. um, baby was still well and truly tucked inside me <laughs> um so at that point a delivery midwife came over from the delivery suite and said right we're good to go um, so we packed up our things and trudged across to delivery. And, um, at this point it was, yeah, probably seven, eight AM in the morning and, and we came in sort of a full 24 hours before. So it was a bit of a surreal feeling mm-hmm. actually, because it felt like we were starting all over again. Like I wasn't in so much pain that I, you know, I just had sort of cramps and niggles here and there mm-hmm. and we were being briefed by a new midwife around the next process. And it was kind of, we were already so knackered and Brennan hadn't really eaten much. And it was just, it, it was It was a bit of a a shame, really, that, yeah, yeah, that it had taken so long just to get a space in the delivery unit. But anyway, that aside, it was all good. And um, the midwife broke, hospital midwife broke my waters and uh, said, cool, pop on, pop a pad in and get up and sort of go for a walk around, um, around the corridors and come back here sort of within the next two hours. And I was like, oh, gosh, two hours, that's quite a long time. walking around the corridors so um off we went um out and then literally got to the door of the room that we were in and the contractions just hit hard and fast and I just like doubled over leaning on Brendan um trying to breathe through these contractions that had just come out of nowhere it was insane um, and we kind of hobbled, sort of did one length of the corridor, and then we got to the end. And I was like, "No, I need, like we need to go back to that room. I Like I need privacy. I need, you know, I need something to lean on. I need, I need the things." Um, so we went back to back to the room, um, and the contractions were really, really intense. Um, I was really surprised with how quickly um, they had come on. Um, and so I kind of sat on the bed for a second, and then just everything just came up I did this massive spew oh my god the, the midwives are incredible Brendan was like, I hadn't even realized that you were about to spew and before and the midwife had gone to the cupboard gotten a cup um and sort of raced over to me and managed to catch everything like they're, they're mind readers it's incredible and in how quickly they move um so had a bit of a had a bit of a spew which um which wasn't I guess particularly pleasant but I guess helps clean things out um, and then the midwife said, right, do you want to maybe hop in the pool um, if, if you know you need a bit of pain relief or something, hop in the pool with the gas. So um, I was all for that. And um, so jumped into the pool and just laboured in there for probably the next couple of hours. Um, as I said, by this point, we were absolutely exhausted to the point where I was falling asleep in between, um, contractions and, um, and every time a contraction came on, it would sort of wake me up and bring and would have to remind me to, you know, suck on the gas and, you know, breathe, 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 suck on the gas, um, just to get through these contractions. So it was, that was probably the most intense part of the labour, um, for me personally. Um. So then our my LMC midwife was called at that point. So she arrived um while I was still in the pool and she so I was hooked up to the monitors. Um they they've got waterproof monitors and everything, so you can be in the pool and, and be monitored, which is really cool. Yay for technology. Um so that was that was cool. So she, she was watching the monitors and she said, Oh, your contractions are actually slowing down and getting further apart, so we need to get you on the oxytocin drip now. Um, she said you can we can either just start with that and see how you go she said you, you know things might progress really quickly um, or we could be here another sort of 10 plus hours or, or we just don't know so she said you know now's a t- the time to consider if you do want an epidural um, and for me it was a no-brainer we were just so exhausted and I just really really needed a break um, Breathing hadn't eaten and god knows how long and yeah so and she said the anaesthetist is free now, so I can get, you know can be in here within a minute or two. So um, yeah, it was a no brainer for us. So hopped out of the pool, up onto the bed. Um, the anaesthetist came in and um, put in the epidural, and it was just absolute bliss um, having <laughs> having that break. Just everything kind of calmed down. Um, they you know they've got like heated blankets and stuff in hospital. It's so cozy. And um, so they kind of tucked me into bed and. Brendan was able to go get some food um, and he came back and he was able to have a snooze as well. They had like a nice big comfy armchair in the hospital so that was really good for him. Um, so we had a bit of a snooze probably for maybe like an hour um, and then we and then woke up um, and we were kind of just hanging out. It was all a bit strange really and I was watching on the monitor all the big contractions um, kind of going on the monitor so everything was doing its thing. Um and then we actually used that time then to call my mum. we video called my mum for an update and of course all well, our family's waiting on the other end of the phone for an update of baby arriving and we're like, No, don't get too excited, baby's not still not here. Um, but things are good, we're feeling really good, we've had a sleep, um, so that was that was really a nice time just to be able to chat with like my mum and, and everything you know um so then uh, my midwife checked me and was like right you're 10 centimeters dilated you're ready to push um which was a pretty surreal moment actually and, and I think it was just it just went to show as well that getting the epidural was absolutely the right decision because my body just needed a break it needed to relax um and then within sort of an hour an hour and a half of of, of having that opportunity um yeah my body had fully dilated and, and we were ready to go so that was that was really exciting um so the midwife sort of put me in a couple of different pushing positions and she was really great she sort of said is this comfortable we'll try this if that's not comfortable let me know and we'll try something else and um and yeah so we practiced a couple of different positions and then it was about maybe 30 minutes of pushing um And Brendan had wanted to deliver the baby and he'd wanted to sort of announce the gender as well. So when her um, head and her shoulders came out, um, midwife was like, right, Brendan, you're up. Um, Get down the business end. So he um, popped down and, and, yeah, kind of hooked his hands (laughs) under her armpits and sort of pulled her out. Um, and lifted her up to, to me, and on the way, it was like, yes, girl. Um, I had thought she was a girl, and he had thought she was she was a boy, so I was, I was right. <laughs> um, lifted her up to me on my chest, and I don't think there's anything that can prepare you for mm-hmm. that moment of meeting your baby for the first time, um, especially, your, I think, your first baby. I'm, I'm sure all pregnancies and births are, are special, but your first baby, is nothing mm-hmm. quite like that. And that was a really special moment. So we just, you know, cried and, and cuddled mm. her and stared at her. And, um, and she, she kind of cried straight away. So that was a really nice reassuring moment as well. Yeah. Um, and we just spent the next sort of few minutes doing skin to skin. And we did delayed like, cord clamping and, and all those sort of good, nice things. Um, and then the midwives um, checked me and saw that I had a third degree tear um, she thought it was a third degree tier, but she got the um, obstetrician to come in just for a second opinion. Yeah. And she said that it was kind of borderline third degree, but she said if we, she said she'd rather me go into theatre to get that repaired, just to make sure we do a really good job of it. Um, and at that point, I was a little bit gutted because I, I was like, oh, I've got to be, you know, now I've got to be away from Brendan and, and Tui. Um, and I don't know how long it's going to take and, um, and obviously, you know, the immediate things that go through your mind around what ongoing effects is this tea going to have on my body? Um, so in the, in the moment I was like, oh no, it's such a shame, but actually, um, being what having to wait for theater was actually a really nice time in the end because we kept getting bumped from all the you know emergency serians and my blood loss wasn't that bad so the midwives were happy for me to just kind of hang out on the bed yeah. um and so we ended up having sort of a good probably two hours in the delivery suite just me Brennan and the baby and once the midwives had kind of done all their paperwork and cleaned up and everything they were sort of coming and going and um so we just had a really lovely time the three of us um and, you know, we used that time to call about all of our family and our friends and let them know the good news. And, you know, it was just a really special, special time. So uh, it wasn't sort of all all bad, I guess you could say. Mm. Um, and then I got wheeled off to the theatre and um, Brendan sort of got escorted with Tui up to uh, the ward. And that was when, while I was in theatre, he was able to give Tui some um, some of the colostrum that we'd expressed, so that was really beneficial. Um, when she was born they, test, they tested her blood sugar levels which um, can be quite low because of the gestational diabetes and they were a little bit low but once she'd had sort of a couple of mils of the colostrum mm. they had started to improve really rapidly so that was that was really um, really cool. that we didn't have to worry about worry about that. Yeah. So um, yeah so up to the ward Brendan and Tui went and I sort of got Reunited with them, maybe an hour or so later after um, I'd been all, all stitched up, and the theatre team in hospital were awesome, mate. We were just having mm-hmm. really good yarns, and um, so many people in the theatre room. It's you kind of yeah. I feel like you take for granted a little bit how lucky we are in New Zealand. There was probably a team of like eight or ten people rushing around um, over over me, which um, yeah, we're, we're very lucky, and it was a really positive positive experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah.
1: Awesome, very cool and were there any like protocols at that time um, in terms of the level four lockdown that made things more difficult for you guys or were you just transferred back from your surgery for your tear um, back to Brennan and Tui or yeah what did that look like?
0: There weren't really that many extra protocols, probably the the biggest one was obviously um, sort of no visitors allowed but in terms of, um, in terms of Brendan and that like, he was able to stay with me. We weren't sure if he was able to stay or if he'd get kicked out and sent home but he he was sort of stuck with us, um which was so we were so lucky. Um but no, yeah, there weren't really there weren't, wasn't really much difference. Um, I don't think. I mean obviously I've got nothing to compare it to, but we didn't I mean if the midwives and nurses and doctors I'm sure they were super stretched and super understaffed and working in really trying conditions but we were so well looked after and you would never know that they were operating in a pandemic because we felt just yeah super super well looked after and we yeah we had a really really positive experience in the hospital
1: Yeah, awesome. Very cool. And what sort of happened from there? I know that initially you wanted to go to the birth center. So, did you plan on going back there after being in hospital, or what did that look like for you?
0: Yes. So, we had planned to do a postnatal stay at birth care, regardless of where we ended up birthing. Um, so, we stayed. So, Tilly was born on the Sunday um, evening. So, we stayed in hospital Sunday night. Um, which I think is pretty standard for uh, when you have a tear, um, just so they can kind of keep an eye on that and for any infection and manage the pain and all that sort of stuff. Um, so we um, stayed that night in hospital and then the next day kind of just hung out in our room on the ward and sort of just waited we're a little bit in limbo we were sort of just waiting for instruction from somebody as to what to do next so um we and then a midwife in the afternoon came in and said yeah we've got your spot at birth care so you'll be able to transfer over there this afternoon um because I'd had the epidural and then sort of had the epidural topped up for the um to have my stitches done in surgery um I had a catheter in and when they take the catheter out, you have to pass a certain amount of urine within a certain time frame to, I guess, pass the catheter test and for them to let you go because the anesthetic, you know, numbs your bladder and, and all your sort of system and stuff as well. So they want to make sure everything is functioning right before they send you off. Um, so I had to, they leave like a little jug in the bathroom in your room and you have to pay into that um, whenever you need to go to the toilet and then they'll sort of measure um, how much you've passed and if it's enough for them to be comfortable with to remove the catheter so um, or to keep the catheter out I should say so um, I didn't pass enough um, it was quite stressful actually you feel like you're um, doing this really weird test Um when they're sort of measuring your P, but I didn't pass, pass the test and pass enough. So um, the midwife said, Oh, unfortunately, I'm going to need to put the catheter back in. You need to take it with you to be birth care and um, have it in for the next 48 hours um, whilst your body sort of discharges, I guess, all the um, anesthetic and, and whatnot. So that was a a little bit annoying but um pretty small price to pay I guess um so um off I went with my little bag sort of tucked into my pants as we left the hospital um and we put Tui in the car and and drove sort of a five minute drive over to over to birth care um and birth care again was just such an incredible facility all the midwives there are so passionate and so experienced and so lovely it was really nice being able to it's almost like a home away from home really and not having to worry about um feeding ourselves or anything like that and and even just you know little things um I think on the day two I um passed quite a significant um like bud clot it was probably about the size of maybe like a golf ball like it was it was a decent mass um and I was like oh my gosh that I hope that's not placenta because you know retained placenta can be quite Mm. toxic and dangerous um and if we were at home I would have been quite stressed about that and not knowing if it was if it warranted a trip to doctor or to ed or whatever so um anyway so we just you know page to buzz the midwife and then she comes and she inspects it and inspects me and she um, checks my tummy and she was comfortable that it was just you know my body sort of getting rid of everything that it needed to get rid of so um things like that were really beneficial i think to um to, to our stay at, at birth care. yeah um,
1: um yeah awesome. Cool. And what sort of happened from there? How did you find, like, obviously those first few days and nights, um, you were either in hospital or in the birth centre, but how did you find taking little Tui home? And what was that whole experience like? Obviously, you've just totally, life has completely changed. Um, But yeah, how did you find taking her home? Um, What were your sort of emotions and feelings like in those first few days and weeks? And yeah, what was that like?
0: it was it was pretty it was pretty surreal it was um very very full-on um probably the hardest thing was because we were in level four lockdown and all of our family lives out of auckland was not having the family support and when we when Tui was born we were maybe a week or 10 days into that level four lockdown and while the level four side of it didn't last um you know lasted like maybe a month or so um the Auckland borders remained closed for sort of three and a half months and at this point of course we didn't realize it was going to be that long but um but it was really hard knowing that we had no idea when Tilly was going to meet her grandparents and when we'd be able to travel to introduce her to um, her great grandparents and and all of her uncles and cousins and aunties and all that sort of thing so that was probably the, the toughest thing. Um, My mum had actually planned on um, trying to get an exemption to get through the sort of Auckland North border to come and join our bubble and we, because all this sort of information at the time was a bit loose and it had kind of changed a lot and Mm -hmm. Um, and we thought she might meet some of the exemption requirements. Um, so she was like, I'm just going to give it a go. I'm just going to hope for the best and see what happens. So she sort of started driving um, where the border was. It was sort of about a two-hour drive from her home and then another sort of hour and a half to us in Auckland. Um, so she got there and um, and actually she got turned around that first time, which was absolutely devastating, knowing that um, she wasn't going to be there when we um, got home, which was kind of the plan. So that was a really tough day. That was day two in birth gear Um, and of course all your hormones are all over the shop anyway and um, knowing that we'd be going home to you know an empty house and and that was that was a really tough pill to swallow. Um, And fortunately, my midwife had come in that same day um, to sort of do a check on me and um, and she kind of caught me in a in a really vulnerable moment and you know in tears and everything and sort of explained to me that mum had tried to get through and Um, didn't have any luck so she was like look what can I do what can I do to support you can I write a letter let's you know let's let's try everything to get your mum down here Um, so she was amazing actually she she wrote a letter that um, kind of you know explained that I'd had quite a a severe tear and that I wasn't able to lift anything that was heavier than the baby and I needed (laughs) support and sort of um, you know reference things like the emotional support and everything like that Um, And then mum used that letter to um, apply to the Ministry of Health and um, and she actually ended up getting an exemption which she could then provide to the police who were um, monitoring the border. Um, so she managed to get through on her second attempt um, when Tilly was five days old. So at this point we were, we were home um, and she, yeah, she arrived until he was five days old, which was so, so special. Um, not, you know, not what we'd expected or, or dreamed of, I guess, that like we'd had plans for her and my stepdad to come down and, um, you know, meet us in birth care and bring champagne and, um, and, you know, all that sort of thing. And same with Brendan's family, um, you know, to come come and be there you know we're very close with our family and we really desperately wanted to share that time with 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 them and with our newborn baby um so anyway we had to take the wins um, and mum getting down here was absolutely a win um and she ended up being here for about a month um which was a huge huge blessing and I'm very mindful that not everybody was as fortunate or as lucky that was in the same boat as us during that time Um, so we were really lucky to have mum here for that time. Um, but yeah, in those, in those days afterwards, it was, the the biggest challenge was knowing that we had no idea when Tui was going to meet her family and every day she was changing and growing and, and just having no end in sight was really, really tough.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, and in terms of, you know, Tui, she was great feeder. She, um, she gained weight really well um I had planned to breastfeed, and that was um, relatively straightforward for us. I mean, you know, it came with you know the really sore nipples, and you obviously have to learn how to do it, and the baby has to learn how to do it, and everything. But um, our breastfeeding journey was 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 pretty good, and it still is good. I'm still breastfeeding her ten months on. Yeah. Um, so we're really lucky in that department. Um, and I also have I also pumped. Um, really early on as well and Brendan was able to give her sort of um, top-ups that she needed as well so that was really nice for him to be able to give her um, some things as well yeah um so yeah
1: yeah awesome cool and yeah I guess in terms of dealing with that disappointment and constant sort of feeling of wishing that your family and friends were able to meet TUI and you just sort of had that connection um was there anything that you were doing that was sort of helping you know that feeling of disappointment or was it really just a matter of lockdowns um you know decreasing in terms of level like what did that look like for you
0: yeah so we did a few things um when one thing I found that was really triggering was social media for me um seeing people outside of Auckland that Mm were having babies and seeing them with their families and their yeah. grandparents and everything was really, really triggering for me. So I had to make a conscious effort to either not look at it mm-hmm. and switch off from that, or if I was going to look at it to, you know, be be really open and, and yeah. happy for them and, and, and know that not everybody in such circumstances are the same. So um, that was one thing for me was really kind of monitoring my, my social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I guess in, in hindsight, one of the things that really – triggered me as well was when eventually people were able to meet her and even within Auckland you know our friends and 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 sort of a a bit of family that does live in Auckland they were able to meet her sort of a few weeks later when the level four restrictions lifted um and you know they would comment on like how big she was and and everything and Mm. and which which was great that she was growing and 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 thriving and everything but I'm like but you didn't see her when she Mm, was brand new so you've got nothing you don't you don't know you know and I found that those comments were also really triggering just because they'd missed out on so much. And then of course, you know, cause they didn't, um, our, our family outside of Auckland didn't get to meet her until she was three and a half months old. So by that point, she's, you know, a baby, she's not a newborn anymore. She's a robust baby. And, um, and so those comments around, um, yeah, how big she was and I'm like, oh, but she's yeah, She you didn't get to see him. And she was just a wee little cherub. So that was, that was really hard. Um, but what we did do during those times was, you know, we'd, we'd watch those buddy press conferences every, every day, every week, whatever, and um, and just pray that there was going to be, you know, some uplifting of the restrictions. And, of course, they weren't. But when we eventually got um, the news that the borders would be open in time for Christmas, I think this was, it must have been sort of October or early November by this point. Um, and knowing that it was still going to be, you know, a minimum of six weeks away before um, before the borders were going to open. Um, and we still had, yeah, still had six weeks to go. So I was like, I really don't want to just wish away these next six weeks because that's, you know, six weeks of Tilly's life. And I found myself just wishing that, that that, that, date of the border opening would just hurry up and get here so we could get out of Auckland and introduce it to everyone. Um, so we decided that November would be Tilly's month and we made a real conscious effort every day to do something um, special and it wasn't necessarily a big thing, you know, it might have just been um, getting out into the garden and having a little picnic in the backyard, of, you know, while Tilly has her nappy free time or something in the sun or, or sometimes it was a little bit more... Adventurous, we would go and scope out a new bushwalk, you know, across across Auckland where we don't normally venture to, um, and go and do that. And I would sort of just jot down in a little notebook that I had what we did that particular day. So yeah. when December eventually rolled around, we had this month of memories of when Tui was an yeah. you know, sort of eight nine week old baby yeah. that we could look back on and know that even though that time was um, was just us, it was really special, and we've got some really cool memories to look back on. Yeah,
1: yeah, awesome. Very cool. And is there anything that we haven't covered that you want to make sure we include in your episode? I did see a pelvic floor physio
0: at about um, sort of eight weeks postpartum. Um, Because of my tear, I did qualify to see the gynaecology team at the hospital, which was meant to be six weeks post birth. Um, but because of COVID and, and all the under-resourcing and everything in the hospital yeah. system, that has been significantly pushed out to the point that I only got seen um, about a couple of weeks ago, when I was nine and a half months old. Yeah. So. Um, I was really fortunate that I was able to go and see a private health physio, um, and she diagnosed just a minor prolapse, which resolved pretty quickly with some pelvic floor exercises. And she said that the stitches have healed really well and, um, and everything. So yeah. that was, that was really, really great from a physical recovery, um, perspective. Yeah. Um, awesome. but yeah, no. And then I guess the only other thing, um, is that, you know, one of the things that when I reflect on um, anticipating having a baby and being pregnant and sort of not knowing what was going to come, people, a lot of people sort of said that, you know, nothing can prepare you and that mm-hmm. it's going to change your life and you'll come out of hospital a completely different woman um, and that, you you know, you won't be able to sleep anymore, you won't have any time for yourself, you won't you know, your relationship will change. Like, they, you know, they said all these things, mm. um, which I actually... Overall, generally found, maybe it was just me, but I generally found them to all have kind of a negative association. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I actually didn't find that at all. Like, I, I still felt like me. I still feel like me. Um, I was super ready and super prepared. Like, all the education and reading and everything I did yeah. absolutely made a difference. Um, my marriage is amazing, Brendan's an awesome dad. Um, So, like, yeah, while our routine is a bit different, Mm. we are still us and we still feel like us. Um, And now we just have a little mini person to kind of take on our adventures. (laughs) So, I mean, I know everyone's journey is different, but our reality was that it actually was a really sort of simple and natural and enjoyable transition of parenthood for us. And and I found myself feeling a little bit guilty, or, you know, when I sort of talked about that or, yeah. or it's because I you know, was risking coming across as like bragging to people mm. if, if I know that they had a particularly tough time in South or, or something. So, um, so yeah, I think for us, it's been it's been really, really positive. And I guess my advice would be that, if, you know, there's no right or wrong way. But if your experience is positive, then, then you should totally, totally own that.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. I think we have to talk about everything, right? And that's part Ooh. of um, part of the reason for the podcast because, yeah, I know there can be um, a lot of negative comments or like a negative tinge <laughs> to the way that people say things about becoming a parent or adding another baby to your family or whatever that they're talking about. So, yeah, I definitely think that um, talking about it all, including really positive experiences, is so important. So, thank you. Yeah. Awesome. And just before we finish up, is there anything like a product or products that you have used either for yourself or for Tui that you just like can't live without or couldn't live without in the newborn stages that you'd recommend to other Mm mums?
0: Well, I think in those, in those early days, um, I absolutely like the lanolin cream and hydrogel discs for my nipples was a game changer. And I'd even, when I noticed them start to kind of blister or get a bit sore, even just wearing the the lanolin cream and and the hydrogel discs for like an hour made a massive difference. So they were definitely a savior um a savior for me awesome
1: very cool thank you so much Ella for coming on the podcast and sharing your story with me I've loved talking to you and I know that there'll be lots of different things that people take away from your episode so really grateful that you were willing to share no
0: worries thanks so much for having me
1: no problem thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales I hope you have enjoyed it and I look forward to bringing you another episode next week